that if you learn to write in a systematic, organized way, beginning with dictated content, the whole complexity of the process is simplified and becomes manageable and not overwhelming. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal here is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Hi everyone, this week we're going to switch it up a bit and play for you the audio portion of one of our IEW webinars. Because the webinar itself is over an hour, we're splitting it into two parts, but we'll post both of them this week. And we'll post any links or websites mentioned in this recording at IEW.com slash podcast. Enjoy! Well, hello and good evening to y'all. It is good to be here with you on a Monday night, the end of February. We are heading into our Unit 7 webinar, and we've got people from all different places, some of the, the loyal every webinar attendees, as well as I see some people who may be a little newer to our material. We will be talking about Unit 7, so if you have the old light blue version of the teaching writing instruction style as you see on the left it's pages 53 to 58. hopefully all of you have upgraded uh, or started with us with the new edition the darker blue version on the right if for some reason you never learned about the upgrade be sure and click that link that says here's more details about the new edition because we have Still the killer upgrade deal that never goes away, I guess. So one question that a lot of people often ask is, why does my child hate writing? Or why does this student dislike writing? Or why do kids hate it? And I have been studying and, and coaching people and helping them with this very question for a long time. And mostly it's overwhelm. Kids get overwhelmed because uh, they have to you know, think of something to say. They have to have a memory or an idea or an imagination or an experience or a concept. And it must have come from somewhere to be in their memory or their imagination. But they have to wrestle that thing into words and essentially say that to themselves. Then they have to hear what they just said to themselves then they have to remember what they heard themselves say to themselves. And then they have to hold it in their memory long enough to be able to remember also at the same time how to spell the necessary words or even make the necessary letters. And that whole process is just so complex. You know, when I contemplate the nature of writing, it's almost a miracle that any of us can do it at all because it is extraordinarily complex use of, of the brain, many different areas and functions of the brain. And so for children, it's easy for them to get overwhelmed, especially if there's 
any kind of breakdown anywhere in that system. It may be they have a hard time finding something that they remember and know because they're living in the present the way young ch children do. Or possibly they're having a hard time wrestling that image or idea or memory experience or information they found, wrestling it into language. Or maybe they're having a hard time hearing what they're thinking. Or maybe they're having a hard time remembering what they're hearing, what they're thinking. And if there's a breakdown anywhere in that process, the overwhelm is almost immediate. And, and so the biggest aspect there would be that problem of starting with that blank brain. Blank brain, blank page. It's painful. It's frustrating. And it can literally bring tears. I don't know what to write. And so what's what we're talking about tonight is how how we through the progress of our units work better to solve that problem of overwhelm a lot of writing programs start right there you have to think of something in order to learn to write whereas what we have come to understand is that if you learn to write in a systematic organized way beginning with dictated content you don't have to figure it out. We'll give you the story. We'll give you the fable. We'll give you the information. We'll give you sentences. Those sentences go into keywords. Those keywords go back into sentences. You can do this. The whole complexity of the process is simplified and becomes manageable and not overwhelming. We move into unit three. You don't get you don't get to take keywords from each sentence, but you do have a story and the components of the story. So you can write a story maybe change things up a little bit, but you don't have to pull one, you know, out of the blue. Unit four, summarizing a reference. Now there's too much information, too many words, too many facts, and you have to make a little bit more discernment. Uh, which of these facts from the too many that I have would be interesting, important, relevant, useful in this in this writing task. And then in writing from pictures, we're back on the kind of fiction story, creative side, inventive side. This is where we say, well, we're not giving you a story per se, but you're not all alone. Here's a set of pictures and the method of thinking about these pictures and extracting ideas and organizing them into an outline. And then back over on the report research essay side, unit six with summarizing multiple references. And tonight we get to the inventive writing. This is where it is just you and your mind, whatever you happen to carry around in it. And hopefully the skill of asking questions has prepared the student, even the reluctant student, to be able to do this more successfully. And it's all about the questions. Any of you that know me well know that I've pointed out that going through these units in our syllabus is going through the process of learning how to ask yourself increasingly challenging questions. We will be next month at Unit 8 and finish up the year with Unit 9, the formal critiques and the response to literature. And the way we do it is to help you go through all these units over the course of the school year, not getting stuck. So let's take a little bit more in-depth look at the whole thing. I had a a teacher once who came up to me after the first session in the teaching writing instruction style seminar and I had outlined this idea that you go through the units and that you would hit unit seven probably right around March if you were on the one a 
month schedule. And her her question to me was very interesting because she she said, well, why does it take so long to get to real writing? As if everything else we were doing before that were not real writing, that, you know, working with other people's ideas was somehow not real. And of course, I have come to know that in the world of writing, it's always a mix between previously existing ideas and your own angle on that, your perspective, your your translation of that, your presentation of that. So it's all real. It's all real real. The skill of summarizing is a very real skill and you need it in the real world. But anyway, so we're different because we understand that the process is uh, all based on developing the thinking skills. That was a very clever little animation, wasn't it? That kudos for that goes to Julie with the little red circle going slowly around the word think. I just noticed that. <laughs> very nice. So with unit one and two, unit, we have the keyword outline and telling it back. And that does two things. It forces the student to ask their first question. What are the keywords in this sentence? It's an easy question, but you have to ask it to do the activity. So it engages them immediately in this process of asking questions. It creates a discipline of using outlines. One of the biggest things we know is that if you can separate the complexity of what to write and how to write, then it's all easier and the end product is so much better. But getting kids to make an outline unless they've been trained in that can be very difficult. And with our system, the good news is you, you can't start without doing outlines because that is the first thing we do. And I start with that on, you know, with everyone. I often say I teach the same thing to everyone, whether they're in second grade or graduate school. It's just a question of sophistication of the source text and how rapidly you would go through the structure and style ideas. Unit three, the story sequence chart. So here the questions are a little tougher. You have to ask, okay, who's in the story? Where and where are they? What is going on? What is the circumstance? And build that characters and setting. Then you have to say, what is the problem? What is the conflict? What, what do the characters think, say, or do? And you have to ask yourself the question, how is it resolved? And why do we have this story? What's the outcome or the theme? the message that we might want to build in our retelling of it. And so the questions are a little bit harder. With unit four, of course, summarizing reference, also learning to divide a subject into topics. These are um, important skills that are taught very systematically in a very gradual way. Some kids prefer to be on the report research you know, fact-based side. Other kids love to go over back to the kind of wild, creative, let's imagine stuff side. I am the kind of person who would much rather live in the world of reports and research and essays. I'm not very much for you know what might be called creative writing. I can do it if I have to, but you know, my personality is such. But I've got some students who, well, you say, okay, we're going to do Reports are like, no, no, we want to do stories. And I got other kids, okay, we're going to do inventive writing. No, no, we want to do reports. So, you know, it's going to go both ways. Part of the brilliance of Webster's system is that it weans students through the areas that are harder for them 
uh, giving them a little break in the areas that are easier, bringing them back, and developing very holistically both of those skills. Unit six, now you have the added step of too many references. So you've got to look at, you know, multiple sources, books, websites, articles, documentaries, news reports, interviews, multiple sources, and then fuse together in the outline and uh, also begin to teach the documentation skills. Going to be useful for high school and college writing. And it is a good chance that if you are with us and you have been teaching for five, six months, you would be moving through the dress-ups and have some of these dress-ups dripped in at the speed at which they become easy. Easy is not an acronym. It's just the bad spelling for the word E-A-S-Y, right? But it looks more formulaic, so Webster liked it. So what is easy, meaning what can you do without much help and it doesn't sound too goofy most of the time? This would be a fairly fast progression where you're getting through all the dress-ups and openers around unit seven, introducing a couple of the decorations. You could, of course, go faster. You could, of course, go slower. But if you follow all of this, and, and you also notice how the stylistic techniques kind of promote the idea of adding detail, they promote the idea of looking for causal relationships between ideas, they promote an expanded vocabulary and more variety in the way students are saying things. And as a result, they promote, promote more creativity. So as you work through the style techniques, that also helps when you get to Unit 7 and you have the inventive writing. You have the habit of looking for more detail, more understanding, etc. I like this little cartoon from Calvin and Hobbes. You know, I used to hate writing assignments, but now I enjoy them. Why? I realized that the purpose of writing is to inflate weak ideas, obscure poor reasoning, and inhibit clarity. With a little practice, writing can be an intimidating and impenetrable fog. Want to see my book report? Title. The Dynamics of Interbeing and Monological Imperatives in Dick and Jane, a study in psychic transrelational gender modes. <laughs> Academia, here I come. I, I could completely relate to this today because I was doing a little research following up on a lead that someone gave me in a conversation. And one of the things I found was a doctoral dissertation written oh, 17, 18 years ago, I believe. And uh, it was essentially a, a, a doctoral dissertation for an ed-D degree, a doctor of education degree. And it was a study of the style used in academic writing by people in the field of education. <laughs> I thought, oh my Lord, 180 pages here studying the style of writing that is used by people who are writing in the field of education. And then, of course, it's it's almost like one of those endless mirrors. Like, okay, well, if you're going to report on that, now we have to look at your writing through this report on your writing. And uh, it's very interesting. Of course, if you do a dissertation, you kind of have to find something that nobody else ever thought of doing before. So it can get a little obscure. We changed Unit 7. Three years ago, when we redid the teaching, writing, structure, and style, we adjusted the name of Unit 7. Uh, Dr. Webster originally had called it creative writing. 
And if you buy his book, Blended Structure and Solid Composition, or if you have our old material, that's what we called it. We changed it for two reasons. One reason is that creative writing does tend to carry a bit more baggage with it. There's courses on creative writing. You can go get a, a master's in fine arts in creative writing. There's a gazillion websites that talk about creative writing. It's a, It seems to almost be an end in of itself. And a lot of people would say, well, you're not doing what fill in the blank says is creative writing, or you're not doing what I believe creative writing to be and all that. So just all that baggage. So we changed it to inventive which I believe is very helpful and a little more accurate. One of the reasons has to do with the nature of the word. So inventive doesn't mean that you create something from nothing the way the word create does. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Ex nihilo, you know, creat, you know. That's that's a, a Latin verb meaning to create in, in that sense, whereas invent means you have various little things and you put them together in some interesting new way. And we're all kind of inventors by nature more than we are creators because only God produces something from nothing. The rest of us are kind of stuck with what we've got. So I love this little picture of putting together various things in different ways. It's also the root of the word inventory. The The Latin verb is invenio, and it means to find or discover. So when you have an inventory, you find out what you have. You count your stuff. When you invent, you have to have stuff to invent with, and you need to find that stuff and then think about how to put it together. So this is comforting to students because then we can communicate to them. They don't have to produce something from nothing. They just have to kind of find something they do know. And, you know, I always tease people and say, you know, you can't think a thought you can't think. So relax, you don't have to. You, you don't have to do something you can't do. You just have to find something you do have. So if you are familiar with our mini posters, this is the mini poster for the My Dog model. It comes right out of Webster's book. It is a five paragraph model. And what I usually do is uh, show folks how the five paragraph structure works. Most everyone is familiar with it with some experience, either in their childhood or in teaching or, or being taught. And then talk also about how you can do the unit seven process, the invention process, without doing five paragraphs. So if you're working with young children, seven, eight, nine, 10, maybe even 11, you don't want to start with a five paragraph model. I usually start with one paragraph and show how you can find one thing you know, come up with six, seven details about that one thing you know, write a paragraph about that one thing you know, and boom, you've done invention. The next step would be to get a subject that you know and then divide it into two topics or two areas. And we'll talk more about that later. So then it's when you get the third topic that it kind of begs for the, you know, it kind of begs for that framework, the introduction conclusion, which then becomes the parallel to the unit eight essay model. And then we take off from the five paragraphs in the unit eight, and move into six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, 
you know, 21, you name it. I, if you, you tell me how many paragraphs you need, I can design a model that'll fit. But that, that basic core here, we may teach it in unit seven. We may wait till we get to unit eight, but that's the way it goes. So the process is to brainstorm to determine the subject, say, you know, what are the things that you know something about? You know, it might work very well if you had, a, if you're available and, and you have a piece of paper and you could kind of get ready to do this yourself. I think it always helps to do it together. So we're going to brainstorm possible subjects, things that you know something about. Then once you choose the subject that you want to write about in this particular assignment, then you want to practice the thinking skill of division. This is where you list possible topics. So you say, okay, that thing that I know something about, what are the aspects? What are the elements? What are the things about? What are the divisions of? And uh, we'll do one here in a minute. So then once you have listed the possible topics, you choose the number you need. So if you, if you just need one paragraph, one topic, two paragraphs, two topics, three paragraphs, three topics, five paragraphs, still three topics because you move into the intro conclusion, six paragraphs, four topics, seven paragraphs, five, you could keep going. And then of course you wanna outline the topic paragraphs first. That is a hugely important thing to do. And hopefully now your students are so used to working with outlines because you have been religiously requiring that as a first step in, from unit two to unit three, certainly in unit four when you're taking notes from sources. In unit five, you have the, the lines for the keywords right next to those pictures, and that's the first thing you do, and you never skip that step. Unit six, you got the source outlines, the fused outline, now you've got the fused outline, you write from the fused outline. So the habit of creating an outline should be strong, if not ingrained or even automatic, depending on the age and aptitude of your students. So then you use some of these various questions. There's kind of categories of questions. The basic, who, what, where, why, when, how. We got into those in unit five when we were looking at pictures. So we keep those going, the basic information questions. The next category you could rely refer to would be the sensory questions. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? What do you smell? What do you taste? What do you sense? That's going to expand the kid's way of finding things that they can say about whatever they're talking about. Then you can wax a little philosophical. You can move into what might be called some critical thinking type questions. They imply some judgment, some hierarchy, some thinking about significance and application, which are a little more advanced thinking skills. But okay, what's the best thing about that? What's the worst thing about that? What are the problems of, with that thing? What are some solutions? What's the value, meaning, significance, impact? Those are tougher questions, but that's where you hit the edge of what, how they can think and you let them go with that for a while. And guess what? Tomorrow, they'll be a day older. A month from now, they'll be a month older. A year from now, they'll be so much older and smarter. And you keep this up year after year for three, four, or five years, you will develop some powerful, powerful thinking skills. I, I guarantee it. Then the next step would be to write the body paragraphs first. Now, that's easy if you're only writing one or two paragraphs. If you're writing five or more paragraphs, then you really want to have the students do that. Write the, write the essay 
write the composition from the inside out. Start with the, the first topic you've got outlined, write that out, do the next one you've got outlined, do that, do that, then write the conclusion, and then write the introduction. Now, one thing that is uh, something we've been practicing since unit four, so unit four, five, six, we should be coming into the fourth month or so of practicing the topic clincher. It should be getting easier more natural. They should be doing it a little bit better. And if you go to the five paragraphs, now this is where you have to do some good modeling and show there's going to be a big difference here because for three months, every paragraph you've been writing has a topic clincher and you're, you're getting good at that. But now we're going to introduce a new type of paragraph, a conclusion paragraph, an introduction paragraph. It doesn't have a topic clincher because it doesn't have a topic. Instead, it states the three topics or it restates or echoes the three topics. So I would refer you all to the student samples that are in the TWSS book. One of the things we did when we put together the, the second edition was we added in a great number of student samples to every unit with all the indicators so that you could see this is how students mark dress-ups and openers and decorations. This is how students mark topic clinchers. This is how students indicate the topics in the introduction and the conclusion. This is how they can show you that they know that they've done what you asked them to do. And so it's very, very possible. I know, Julie, but I thought you put the shout out there because we've been making such a big deal of you know, telling everybody, write the body first. So I thought it was on purpose and was cute. So, all right, once you've got that, then you write the conclusion and then you write the introduction last. A case of you may or may not have to have too much detail in the outline to your conclusion because you kind of know what you're going to do. You're going to echo the topics. You're going to choose of all that I told you about this thing I'm telling you about, what's the most significant, and why is that the most significant? Same thing with the introduction. You may not have to write too much in the way of an outline because you know what it's supposed to do. One big reason, I'm even gonna pull my little green arrow here. I don't know if it'll work, but one big reason to write the, the uh, five or more paragraph composition from the inside out, and I've observed this time and again, is when you show kids that the first thing you want to read in an essay is some kind of clever hook, some attention-getting device, some type of technique that draws the, the reader in, give them examples, and now that's got to be good. Well, what can happen is if they try to write the first paragraph first, and they try to write the first thing that you want to have in the first paragraph, that's the toughest thing. That is the the source of writer's block big time because you sit there and think, okay, I got to write this paper. And the first thing I got to do in the first paragraph is think of something clever. Uh, I can't think of anything clever, but I can't start until I think of something clever. But I can't think of anything clever, you see. And so that can be an impediment to getting started. Whereas 
you write those body paragraphs, you get the juices flowing, you start to get a little more creative, you know what you're talking about, get that conclusion. You got all that time for your beautiful semi-subconscious mind to, to be working on some possible ways to start it and, and have a successful attention gain device. So that's another reason to start at the in the middle. We do have to stop here because we're out of time for today. But because we don't want to leave you hanging too long, we'll go ahead and post the rest of the content later this week. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on this educational journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. Thank you.